Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. We're going to jump into Psalm 68. So if you've got your Bibles, um, do uh, open them up. The words are going to be on the screen behind me. And I'm going to not read the whole psalm because it's quite long. But as I said before, it's a, a psalm written by David. And uh, it's, it's kind of like a royal psalm, a celebration of the king. And some commentators suggest that David actually wrote this in preparation for the Ark of the Covenant making its journey into the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, And it was a celebration. It had taken time because the Ark of the Covenant had been taken by the Philistines and and there'd been quite a journey on its way back, which you can read about in in Samuel and the Kings. Uh, But finally, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God known to the people of Israel, comes into the city of Jerusalem. And commentators say that this may have been when David wrote this psalm. And David writes, starting from verse 4, Sing to God. We've been doing that tonight, right? We've been singing. Sing to God. Sing in praise of his name. And then you get this kind of royal theme, this triumphant theme. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord, or his name is Yahweh, a covenantal, loving, faithful God. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. When you, God, went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook, the heavens poured down rain. Before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel, you gave abundant showers, O God. You refreshed your weary inheritance. Your people settled in it, and from your bounty, God, you provided for the poor. The Lord announced the word, and the women who proclaim it are a mighty throng. Kings and armies flee in haste. The women at home divide the plunder. Even while you sleep among the sheep pens, the wings of my dove are sheathed with silver, its feathers with shining gold. When the Almighty scattered the kings in the land, it was like snow fallen on Mount Zalman. Mount Bashan, majestic mountain. Mount Bashan, rugged mountain. Why gaze in envy, you rugged mountain, at the mountain where God chooses to reign, where the Lord himself will dwell forever? The chariots of the Lord are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. The Lord has come from Sinai into his sanctuary. When you ascended on high, you took many captives. You received gifts from people, even from the rebellious, that you, Lord God, might dwell there. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Saviour, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. And we'll hit pause there. I'm sure you, like me, have felt at times that awful feeling of powerlessness. Have you ever felt that? where you felt just completely powerless to change your situation. Something has happened and you can't do anything about it. No matter uh, how hard you try, no matter how hard you plan or what you do, you cannot change a situation. 
I reckon that we've all experienced that at different times over the past couple of years, haven't we? We have been powerless to change our situation and we have been stuck. You know, this past week, we, Megan and I and our family, have found ourselves in a powerless situation. So we decided, so before we decided to go on holiday, but we, we uh, decided to go to New South Wales and uh, go into a hot spot. And uh, we went with our whole family, it's something we do every year. It's really a uh, precious time for us uh, to go with my extended family. It's great for our kids. They get to play with their cousins. And so after Christmas, we went down. And at the time, all we needed to do, the borders were open, we just needed a negative PCR test. We thought we can do that. And so uh, we, uh, we went down and we started holidaying just after Christmas in New South Wales. But during that time, some stuff happened, like COVID took off and everything began to change up here in Queensland and down in New South, New South Wales as well. And so the rules changed. They said, you don't need to get a PCR test anymore. You just need to get a rapid antigen test, which was great. That's fine. Yeah, we can do that. And then they said, you can't get a PCR test, you're not allowed to unless you're symptomatic. And we were camping, we're in the middle of nowhere, there was no, no way we were really going to catch COVID, we were fine. So that we can do rapid antigen tests until we realised, like many of us now today, you can't find a rapid antigen test anywhere. These little boxes are like gold dust now. I don't know, has anyone found this? You've been searching high and low for a rat. Anyone, every, anyone been doing that over the past couple of weeks? A whole bunch of people, it's kind of been, we joined the rat race of just searching high and low. We're like in the middle of nowhere in New South Wales searching for these rats and we couldn't find them. We're like looking in a 250-kilometre radius. We, we can't find them. We are absolutely powerless to get back home without one of these jolly little tests, and we can't find them anywhere. And so at that point, I remember having a conversation with Megan going, well, we're out of control. We are powerless to change uh, our circumstances. We are powerless to get back into Queensland. Now, I'm not complaining. There have been people who have experienced over this time far worse things. You know, for some people, it's been significantly painful. We were just forced to have an extended holiday. I mean, we, we, we can live with that. And as we know, the, we managed to find some tests in the end, uh, but as it happened, the, the, the laws changed again. They just opened up the borders. So, uh, so we could get back anyway. But I tell you, it's not a fun thing to feel powerless, to lose your agency, to lose your sense of control, to walk through uncertainty. You know, we are, we are configured and designed, particularly in our modern world, we, we are accustomed to having control. But when we lose control, when we lose our agency, when we feel powerlessness, it's a confronting thing. And uh, I know that many people in our city experience significant powerlessness. You know, there are people on our streets who are homeless who feel like they're powerless. There are people in our community who are walking through significant health issues, permanent health issues, and you feel powerless. You know, there are people who are walking through significant financial challenges or relational challenges. Maybe you are in that place right now and you feel 
powerless. It's not a good place to be. And when David writes this psalm, he is writing in a time where there is significant power plays. There are different empires, there are different kingdoms, there are different kings that are battling against the nation of Israel, all seeking dominance, rule, and power. And in all of this power play, there are people who experience powerlessness. And we read it in the psalm here in verses four, 5 to 6. We read these words that God is a father to the fatherless. So we see that there are fatherless. He's a defender of widows. There are widows. And in that time, they were completely powerless in that society, in that time. God sets the lonely in families. There are lonely who are reading this psalm. There are many in our society now city today who are lonely. He leads out prisoners with singing, prisoners who are powerless. We read later on that there is hope for the poor, the poor who are powerless. This is a psalm for the powerless. And then we read in verse 19 that every one of us has to bear our daily burdens See, at some point or another, we all experience powerlessness, but there is also a reality that every one of us carries a burden. There are daily burdens that we all carry that over over the course of time begin to wear us down and make us feel weary, tired, exhausted, that sap our emotional, spiritual, physical energy and remove us of power. We all carry daily burdens. We all have burdens to carry. And these burdens that we carry are significant. They they come from sin. As we look at our world today and we consider who we are and and the people around us and everything that we endure, the, the battles and the struggles of life, the burdens of life, they are ultimately a result of brokenness in our world as a result of sin. That goes right back to the very, very beginning. See, we, we live in a, in, a, in a society, in a world that suffers under the weight of sin and every one of us have to bear that burden. But we don't like bearing burdens, do we? Because it's hard. And so what we do is we seek to distract ourselves from the burdens that we carry. We seek to relieve ourselves. And we find things to distract ourselves which end up being addictions in our life, things that we turn to to distract ourselves, relieve ourselves from, from the burdens that we carry. And, you know, when you, when you hear addictions or un, unhealthy habits, you might think of substances or you might think of unhealthy addictions, but it could be anything. Yes, it might be substances or, you know, a whole range of things, but it could be perceived good things as well that become ultimate things, things like work, things like exercise, things like retail therapy, things like Netflix and social media. Whatever it is, those things that we turn to, to distract ourselves from the burdens that we carry. But the reality is, is that we all are burdened. We all carry things in our life. And when it comes down to it, we're powerless against the brokenness, the powers of brokenness 
in our world. We are powerless against the power of sin in our life. And ultimately, the burdens that we carry, the powers that enforce themselves on us lead to death. See, sin, despite all our efforts, despite all our work, despite all our religion, our efforts to carry our burdens will ultimately get the better of us and will lead to death. It will ultimately defeat us. And Paul, writing to the church in, in Ephesus, picks up on this theme as he unpacks the gospel. He says this in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, as for you, you were what in your sin, in your, in your, in your transgressions? You were dead. You see, sin ultimately leads to death. As Louis Giglio says, sin doesn't make you bad. It makes you dead. Sin doesn't make you bad. It makes you dead. Paul goes on to write, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler, another power, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. We have an enemy. There is a devil that prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour, to destroy us. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, the distractions, the addictions, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. The burdens that we fight, that we carry, we can't fight forever. We are powerless against the power of sin in our life and in our world. But there is good news and this is the reminder for all of us tonight. And this is the message of the psalm. Now, there are, this psalm is dense and thick, and I can't get through all of it. But I'm just going to pick out some things that, that, that we, we see here. We see here, as David writes, he says, he says that there is a powerful king that sets us free from the power of death. There is a powerful king that sets us free from the power of death. We read in verse 19 these words. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Saviour, who daily bears our burdens. There is a powerful king who can bear our daily burdens. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. David writes, he celebrates, he declares that there is a coming king. Yes, he is writing kind of like in worship. This, this, this royal kind of psalm celebrating the coming king coming into Jerusalem. But it is this picture of a king who has defeated sin and death, who reigns and rules and who will set the people of Israel free. But if we take it for today, we know that there is a Messiah, as he says, there is a God who saves, who will enable us to escape death, who will be set Free, And this is the good news of the gospel because we know that there is a king who came. Jesus stepped down from heaven to earth. The king descended from his throne in heaven and humbled himself and walked amongst us and ultimately died for us. See, we carry around our burdens 
We are weighed down by our burdens, but there is a king who stepped down from heaven to earth who humbled himself and took upon himself our burdens, our sin, our brokenness at the cross. Now, I realize when we speak about power today, it's seen in very negative terms. To be honest, we are in a cultural moment that that seeks to reject all power. Power is seen as a negative thing. And I think in many ways that's a good thing. We need to question power. We need to question systems that oppress. I have no problem with that. But we also need to acknowledge that the good news of the gospel is there is a different kind of power at work. When you want to understand power in the economy of the Christian faith, you need to look at a God who humbles himself and lays aside his power in order that the power of death may be defeated. Isn't that good news? You want to understand true power? Look at Jesus. Jesus humbles himself, submits and surrenders his power. We see that in Philippians chapter 2. Lays down his power walks with humility for 33 years and ultimately at the hands of his own creation, takes upon himself the sin, the weight and the burdens that we all should be carrying, that should kill us. It's weighted on him, the creator and the king of the universe, and he dies for us. And in doing so, he makes a way for us to be forgiven, but that's not the end of the story. Jesus just doesn't die, but three days later, he is risen again. He rises again, defeating sin and death and making a way for us to have connection with him again. We are forgiven. We can know freedom and life. And the psalm writer says this, says that the king comes and sets us free from death. We are forgiven. We are restored. Relationship with God that was lost at the garden has been restored. That has always been the impulse of God. The impulse of God has always been to restore us. God wants to take off us the burdens that we carry. And here's a reminder for us tonight. We may know this, and I know many of you would say, yes, you know what? I believe that. I believe the gospel. I believe the truth of the gospel. I believe that that Jesus died in my place for my sin to take off the burdens that I carry, the sin that I carry. But we so easily forget. Now, I had a conversation this morning with someone who has been a Christian for decades. She came up to me and said, Andrew, I've just, my my life has changed. Over the past month, I've truly come to an understanding that God loves me, not because of what I have to do, that I've just believed lives that the good news was for other people but not for me. And I've just captured afresh this wonderful news that I don't have to do anything to be loved by God, that I'm set free. See, we so easily forget or we can say it with our, with our minds, yes, I know the good news that, that I'm forgiven, that I'm free, that I'm a child of God. But often the, the longest distance is between the head and the heart. And maybe for you tonight, you need to be reminded afresh 
that God loves you, that you don't need to earn it, that you can truly let go of your burdens. Because what happens is we just walk through life and we pick up things again. We sin, we fall short, we do things, we give in to habits, we, we seek to justify ourselves, we, we think that we've got to earn it now. Like, yes, I, I became a Christian, but now I've got to prove it. We step back into religion and we're just picking up the burden again. And so easily we walk around carrying the burden that God just has always wanted to take off us. And maybe tonight it's a reminder for you afresh at the beginning of this new year that you just need to lay down your burdens because that is the power that the King offers us. It's a powerful king who sets us free from the power of the burdens that we carry. It's good news. But it doesn't just stop there, and we see this in the psalm, is that the good news isn't just that God wants to empty us of our burdens. He doesn't just want to carry our daily burdens, our sin and our brokenness, but he also wants to then place something in our hands. See, when our hands are empty, he can give us something new and the powerful king wants to give you and me the gift of his power he has the power to take the burdens off us but he also wants to give you his power and we see this in the psalm verse 18 David writes this when you ascended on high you took many captives you received gifts from people even from the rebellious that you Lord God might dwell there. In this short sentence, I want to unpack two things that God gives us. Firstly, he gives us gifts. Secondly, he gives us his presence. We, we read here that firstly, he wants to give us gifts. Now, you've got to understand, this is the picture of, of, a, of a, a military battle. And if you know, if you look throughout history, the winner of battles gets the spoils. It gets the treasure. That's always been the case. When, uh, when I was living in London, I used to love taking visitors, friends, whoever, who were visiting London. I always loved taking them to the British Museum. Anyone been to the British Museum? A few of you have been to the British. I love the British Museum because in the British Museum, you have got displays, you've got artifacts going right back to ancient Egypt. You've got ancient Rome, ancient Greece. You've got um, artifacts from uh, Africa and uh, from the eye, from across the planet. You know why? Because the British Empire, a couple of hundred years ago, just swept across the world, pillaging, destroying, and stealing from different cultures. Now it's all in the British Museum. It's terrible, I know, but it's, I mean, it's kind of nice that you're able to go and see artifacts from ancient Egypt and parts of the Pantheon. I think we've got some pictures that are coming up, just different parts, incredible artifacts that they are the spoils of war. They're the spoils of war. See, the reality is, is that the victor takes the spoils. When it comes to war, when it comes to military battles, this has always been the case. The victor gets the spoils. And this is what David is writing. He's saying the king has conquered, the king receives the gifts. But there's an interesting twist that I want to point you to. 
Because this is not the only place that we read these words. If you move forward to Ephesians again that I referred to just before, Paul actually refers to this psalm. Now, in Ephesians 4, Paul is again, he's unpacking the power of the gospel, the good news of the gospel. And he uses this psalm to illustrate his point. So we read in Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 7, these words. But to each of us, grace or a gift, the gift of God, is another way of understanding it, has been given as Christ apportioned it. So we're given gifts as Christ apportions it, Jesus Christ. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Well, hang on a minute. Is that what we read in Psalm 68? Well, no. In Psalm 68, we read, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and received gifts from his people. Can you put back Ephesians? We read in Ephesians, Paul writes, and gave gifts to his people. What in the world is going on? What is Paul doing? Did Paul misread the Psalms? Well, no, Paul was very bright. He was very well versed in the Old Testament. He knew what the Psalms said. Was he manipulating it? No, I don't think he was. What Paul is doing is he is purely reflecting and making a statement that would have been obvious in that time. Remember, the victor gets the spoils. And what does the victor do with the spoils? Well, the victor distributes it, distributes it amongst the king's kingdom and to his people. That is what happens. You know, for seven years I served as a pastor in East London in a church called St. Paul's, which is actually Captain Cook's old church in the, in, on the inner East London docks. And that church uh, was planted in the 1600s. Harry actually served there as well. Harry's been there and um, worked there for a year. And, uh, and that church was rebuilt in 1820 with Waterloo money. You see, the Brits beat the French at the Battle of Waterloo and they got a whole bunch of spoils. And with the spoils, the government used the money to, well, partly to rebuild a whole bunch of churches. See, that's, what's hap- that's what happens. And so what Paul is saying is the king, King Jesus has defeated sin and death and he has taken back freedom and given it to his people. You understand what he's doing? That freedom that we lost at the Garden of Eden because of sin, that power has been defeated by Jesus at the cross and through his grace, he now distributes the gifts to us. We receive the spoils that the king has won for us. That is what Paul is saying. God gives us his gifts. Well, what what are those gifts? Well, those gifts are ultimately his presence. And that's what the psalm writer says. David says, in order that he may dwell with us, that you, Lord God, might dwell there. Derek Kidner, the theologian, puts it this way about this psalm. He says, It opens with an echo of the words with which the ark set out on its journey and finds its climax in God's ascent of the high mount which he has chosen for his dwelling. 
Ultimately, God wants to fill us and give us himself. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. When our hands are open, when our life is open, when we've handed over the burden, God wants to fill us with his presence. I want us to get hold of this. At the beginning of this new year, for each of us, do you know the presence and the power of God in your life? Are you living with the presence and the power of God, the vitality, the strength and the energy of God in your life? Are you seeing his presence at work in your life? The reason that you will know if God is at work in your life, if the presence of God is filling you is, and Paul speaks about this throughout his writings, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, he goes on to say after he has referenced this psalm, he goes on to articulate how we as people connect into the body and use the, the presence of God in and through gifts. And so in verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 4, he goes on to say, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. That's you and me, people. That's not just me. I'm not the professional kind of person here who, who has all the gifts and then you just receive. God help you if that was the case. No, amongst all of us, God builds us up. He fills us with his presence. In this room, there are apostles, there are prophets, there are pastors, there are teachers, there are evangelists. When we're filled with his presence, we have these gifts. What has God called you to? God gives us his gifts through his presence to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God wants to fill us with his presence in order that we may bless one another. I'm going to speak more into that in the coming weeks. But when I want to ask you, where are your hands? Right now, are you carrying burdens? What's going on in your life right now? Are you weighed down with the worries of life and the uncertainties of life, with the addictions, the habits, the sins, the condemnation, the guilt, the shame? Have you just picked pick things up again? Are you walking around weary? Because that is not the invitation of the king. The powerful king invites every one of us to lay down his burdens. Why? Because he's already defeated it all at the cross. Lay it down. Are your hands empty in order that you may receive his presence and his power in a new way? I love how this psalm finishes. I didn't read it before, but verses 34 and 35 says this, Proclaim the power of God, whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the heavens. You, God, are awesome in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. God wants you to know his power and his strength tonight. Praise be to God.
Praise be to God. God wants to give you his power. He wants to give you tonight his power afresh. Are your hands empty to receive it? God wants to give you his power afresh tonight. He wants to fill you afresh tonight. Are your hands, is your heart open to receive it? What I'd love us to do, I'm going to get Jono to come up and uh, I'm going to get him just to sing over us for a moment. Here's what I'd love for us to do because there's a, there's a, there's a two-movement thing here which I'm sure you picked up tonight. There is a letting go in order to receiving in. There is a letting go in order to re- receiving in. And what I'd love for us to do tonight is just to sit as Jono sings over us and just let go. We invite us just to be still, to close our eyes and before God say, God, are there things that, that, that are in my life that I'm holding onto right now that are stopping me from knowing the fullness of your power and your grace? Just invite you just for a few moments right now. Will we be still? Shut your eyes. And maybe just say, Holy Spirit, show me the things that I need to let go. Maybe it's condemnation and shame. Maybe it's addictions and habits. Maybe it's things in your life right now that you are holding on to. Maybe it's justification. Maybe it's religion. Maybe it's disbelief. Maybe it's a lack of faith. Maybe it's distraction. Maybe it's fear and anxiety. Maybe it's just the the things of this world that are just becoming too much and your eyes have dropped. Whatever it is right now, just say, God, I let go. I hand over to you right now afresh. Come on, let's, let's be still and allow God to speak. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.